My name is Brian, and I'm the pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church, and I want to say welcome. So good to have each and every one of you here this morning. I want to say a special uh, welcome uh, to some of our guests who are here this morning. It's really good to have you here today. Uh, last week, we began a, a, a journey of a conversation around what it means to uh, experience rest, um, finding rest in a restless world. And uh, we began a conversation last week really looking at the Genesis story. And really looking at how God has just, when God was creating the world, and he, he created this seven-day rhythm. And right into every single piece of the creation that God made, God uh, built in this idea of rest. And last week we talked about when we don't uh, honor and we don't live into this rhythm, this gift that God has given to us, uh, that there are consequences uh, to that. And so uh, that's where the journey began. And today we are going to continue that journey, this idea of, of rest and what it means to experience uh, God's rest in our lives. And so if you've got your Bibles, and I do encourage you to bring your Bibles each and every week, uh, we're going to look at another Bible story, looking at uh, ex, uh, the story of Moses um, and the Ten Commandments, which is found in Exodus 20. Exodus 20. Exodus is the second book um, in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, and we're going to get there uh, in just a moment. Now, as Jeff began worship this morning, uh, talking a little bit about this idea of rest, and then Jeff played some music for us, and we all kind of went to our happy places, or at least I did, this place of, like Kristen says, just breathing out rest. And then as we moved through our confession, we talked about rest. So we sang song about rest in God's arms. Our children's message was about rest. And now here we are looking at a scripture text that talks about rest. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, that's a pipe dream. Rest is for people who have time to rest. I don't have time to rest. I've got too much going on. And honestly, I can resonate. We live in a world that's really moving fast, right? In a world that increasingly is moving faster and faster and faster. And so even if you feel like um, you might have a little bit of time to rest, the world around us, society, our culture just is moving faster and faster and faster. And it sometimes it just feels like we're white-knuckling to hang on to this fast world, this world, this world of 24-7 where things never stop and it just goes and goes and goes. And this is a relatively new phenomenon in our culture and in our world. And it impacts at every level of our society. Now, just to give you an example, um, we've always needed food, right? Um, from from the, the moment that God created the world and people, we've needed food. But we Americans think we can um, do uh, one better than just food, and so we created fast food, right? And so a couple decades ago, um, not, we created fast food not because um, it tastes really good or, uh, or, or it's really nutritious or anything like that. It's just because we want it now, right? And so fast food was great uh, once upon a time, but it was a little bit inconvenient because you had to go into a, a restaurant and sit down and you got your food pretty fast, right? But it wasn't, that wasn't fast enough and so we invented the drive-thru, right? 
And the drive-through is a wonderful thing because you can get your food um, even faster and you can eat your food in your minivan exactly how God designed us to eat our food, right? I mean, we are, I mean, we as Americans, we are about, come on, let's go. We need to move faster. Uh, and so we've developed all these things like ch self-checkout, right? Because who wants to wait in the line at the grocery store? It's much quicker to go to self-checkout. We have uh, introduced this idea of overnight delivery, right? Because you used to have to wait uh, to get a letter or a package or something in the mail for days or weeks or whatever. Why do that when you can just have it, you know, overnighted uh, to your place? We, we are a culture that has um, designed um, uh, instant messaging, right? Why, why talk on the phone when you can instant message uh, anyone at any moment in time, anywhere around the world? And when you think about it, when we're, when we're texting, we can't even text fast enough. And so we've uh, created a system uh, so that we can abbreviate when we're texting, right? Because normal texting is not fast enough, and we're trying to communicate ASAP. Right? And this just goes on and on and on. And, and our society continues to move faster and faster and faster. True story. Recently, uh, the CEO of Netflix was asked, hey, uh, who is your biggest competition uh, as it relates to uh, streaming uh, TV? And, and uh, what was it? Uh, Hulu? Amazon Prime? I mean, who was it? And he said, oh, None of them. He said, our biggest competition for live streaming, you know, all the, uh, what we, the, the products we put out is sleep. Yeah, I mean, what he was saying is, if people wouldn't sleep so much, they could watch more of our content. That's who their biggest competitor was. So you need to stop sleeping so that you can, you know, th this, is, this is what is going on. And he was dead serious. I mean, this is the competition. Stop Resting, so you can watch more Netflix, right? And if you've ever binge watched before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Bed, Netflix. Bed, Netflix. I'm going to watch Netflix, right? Because it's just more interesting. And it's this world and this culture. And the next morning we wake up and we think, ah, oh, I should have gone to bed sooner. I should have rested. And we have to have, and, and we're on this merry-go-round, right? All of us. We are on this go, go, go society. How did we get to this place? And, and our world has just uh, increased uh, with speed so much quicker. In 1879, Thomas uh, Edison invented the light bulb. And the interesting thing about this one little uh, invention of the light bulb is it allowed people to stay up later than when the sun set, right? So the sun would set, and what did people do before 1879? You went to bed, right? Because it was dark and there was nothing else to do. Well, um, uh, in, in 1879, people were like, hey, I can stay up a little bit later um, because I can, because the lights are on. Did you know that the average American slept 11 hours a night before 1879? 11 hours a night. Isn't that something? Can, and can any of you imagine sleeping 11 hours a night? It's remarkable. You know, and sometimes we hear stories um, about these spiritual giants that, um, you know, would get up at four in the morning, um, like, uh, uh, well, just di different people throughout history, you know, these people that you, you read about, and they're like, oh, they got up at four o'clock in the morning to pray. Wow, they must have been so wonderful. They got up at four o'clock in the morning to read scripture. Wow, that's amazing. Well, they went to bed at seven o'clock at night, right? 
I mean, think about this for a moment. Jesus slept 11 hours a night. No wonder he was so nice to people. <laughs> Just imagine how much nicer you would be if you slept more. Right? But that's not the world in which we live. We live in a go, go, go society. And so we're going to spend some time uh, continuing to have some conversation, talking about rest. We live in this world of FOMO, fear of missing out. And most of the time, we don't even know what we're, we're missing out on, but we still think we're going to miss out on it, so we just keep going, right? We just don't want to rest. So let's pray and invite the Lord to uh, really uh, speak to us uh, this, uh, this morning. God, we do thank you. We thank you, God, for all the ways in which you're moving in our lives. And uh, God, you invite us to rest. Um, Lord, this is one of those ideas, those concepts that just, we don't get it. And, and we certainly don't practice it very well. And so, Lord, uh, speak to us, convict us, invite us, Lord, to, to really um, move into um, what it means uh, to be people who practice a regular rhythm of rest, much like how you created the universe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as I shared with the kids this morning in the children's message, uh, this whole idea of Shabbat, or Sabbath rest. In fact, the word uh, Sabbath does not show up anywhere in the creation story. You will not find the word uh, Sabbath, or Shabbat, uh, anywhere in the book of Genesis. It's implied that God has given uh, this uh, humanity this rhythm of go, 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 rest. In fact, this idea of Sabbath rest, an entire day, an entire day to just rest with the Lord and to rest with God's people does not show up until the book of Exodus. Exodus 16, in fact. And what's happening in Exodus 16 is God has just rescued God's people from slavery out of Egypt. And, and you know this story, right? Many of you grew up in church. And, 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 the, and the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And finally... God rescues them using a guy by the name of Moses. And, and after these ten plagues, they go out into the wilderness. And they get out into the wilderness, which is really a desert. And as they're wandering along uh, through the wilderness toward the promised land, people start getting hungry. And God says, I'm going to take care of you. I've just rescued you, but I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about it because the people are grumbling. They're moaning and they're complaining. Very different than the church today, right? Back then they complained a lot. And God says, every day I'm going to give you some food. And this food is called manna. And the interesting thing about manna is it has a one-day shelf life. So for five days, every single day, you would go out, uh, out of your tent, and on the ground uh, was this manna, this food. And so for five days, you would eat whatever you collected, and if you collected too much, uh, it was going to go bad, it was going to go rotten, it would go buggy and maggots and all that good stuff. So you just ate it every single day, and you didn't try and collect it anymore. But on day six... Day six, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and collect two days worth of manna for uh, the, the day, but then also for tomorrow, so that tomorrow you don't have to work. You've got, you've got some food in the fridge, right? 
And God, and that's the whole idea of Sabbath rest. That's where the word Sabbath uh, first gets introduced into God's story in Exodus 16. Not you, you don't you don't even have to go anywhere. You don't even have to leave your tent. You can just rest because the food has been provided for you on the seventh day, an entire day. And God says, I'm giving you this food as a gift. It's meant for you. Just because I love you, you don't even have to do anything for it. And so each and every day as people are uh, collecting uh, this manna, uh, they start to experience what it means uh, to, 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 to move back into this Sabbath rest. Because remember, when they were in Egypt, there was no rest. Slavery meant no rest. You worked every single day of the week. It didn't mean it matter if there were seven days or ten days or twenty days or thirty days in a week because there was no day of rest. That's what slavery was. Every single day was the same thing. And God comes to the Israelites and says, I have rescued you. You are no longer enslaved. And remember when I created the world, uh, back in the Genesis account, I created this rhythm. You were meant to rest. And so we're going to practice resting for about the next 40 years as we wander around in the wilderness together. And it was God's way of reminding and reestablishing uh, the importance of rest in God's people's lives. And they didn't get it. And so God had to uh, show them what it meant to actually practice rest again in their lives. So this is kind of the context as we're getting closer and closer um, to uh, Exodus 20. And, and you, you guys know this story. And so as they're wandering around in the wilderness, God says to, to Moses, hey, Moses, come on up here. And so Moses um, climbs up Mount Sinai and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Remember this story? Any of you guys older remember the old Brenner and all that good stuff? Yeah. And so as you think about the Ten Commandments, and even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have some ideas, some opinions, some thoughts about the Ten Commandments. You know, oftentimes, whenever we talk about religion, at some point in time, the Ten Commandments kind of bubble to the surface, right? And we all have opinions, and, and some of you could probably recite all Ten Commandments, right? Because we post them in our houses, we post them in, in courtrooms, we uh, they used to post them in schools. The, the Ten Commandments used to be all over the place, right? And it was this reminder of this relationship between God and God's people. As I think about the Ten Commandments this morning, I got to thinking, you might even have expectations for me in terms of how I live out the Ten Commandments, Right? I think you do. I think you have expectations if I am following the Ten Commandments. And I can't, this, this past week I was thinking a little bit about this, and I, I, can't, I can't help but think that you might be a little bit irritated with me if I didn't follow uh, some of the commandments, like uh, commandment number three, found in verse seven. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And if I was, you know, casual with God's name, you'd be like, I don't really like the way Brian's talking about God. Or you might be irritated um, if I dishonored my parents, right? Be like, ah, I, don't, I don't like the way Brian's talking about his parents. And that would com come from commandment five. Honor your father and mother 
so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving to you. I think you'd be disappointed in me if I lied. Because we remember um, uh, commandment number nine. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And I think you'd be disappointed in me if I were jealous or coveted something from someone else. Commandment number two, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or his female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And I think you might even question my pastor credentials if I said, hey, it's okay to worship other gods or to make idols, right? Commandments number one and two. And God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an image for yourself in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath the waters below. You shall not bow to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And I think you'd be outraged. If I stole something, right? Commandment number eight, you shall not steal. I think you'd throw me in jail if I murdered someone. Commandment number six, uh, you shall not murder. And I think you'd throw me out of the church if I committed adultery. You shall not commit adultery. So you have these expectations for me, right? I, I feel your judgment on me. But if I did not follow commandment number four, you'd be like, meh, so what? You might even give me a pay raise, right? Because I was working. But isn't it interesting? The commandment four has more commentary than all the other nine commandments. Let's look at commandment four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So if you maybe came to worship this morning feeling just a little bit casual about the Sabbath day, I want to just ask you, what other commandments should we all just be a little bit complacent about? Is murdering okay now? Are we all good with lying? Are we all good with stealing? Are we all good with uh, coveting, being jealous toward one another? Are we all okay with worshiping other gods and making idols? I mean, which ones are we going to... If we're going to allow Sabbath to just kind of slide because it's not that important, which of the other commandments are we also going to let slide? Come on. Yeah, it's a little convicting, right? Anybody feel like I'm pointing the finger at you this morning? 
Well, just look, I've got three pointing back at me. Because this is a really difficult lesson. This is really, really hard. And this is really hard for me as well. Because oftentimes I think we treat the Sabbath day as a great suggestion, but absolutely optional and maybe just an arcane Old Testament rule, right? But if we're going to go down that road, which of the other uh, commandments of God are also suggestions, arcane and outdated that we can just blow on by today? Because we've got to be, we've got to get really serious about this today, folks. We can't just let this one slide. Or we got to start letting all the rest of them slide too. I think it made the, the top 10 because it's meant to be in the top 10. These are not suggestions. These are commandments that God has given to us. Now I want to remind you the context of this. Because sometimes I think we misunderstand the 10 commandments because we don't understand the context of what's going on in the story. As I, I shared with you a little while ago, God has just rescued his people and brought his people out of slavery into freedom, and they're marching toward the promised land. Oftentimes when we think of the Ten Commandments, we think, I'm going to follow those things, I'm going to do those things to please God. And that's not how this works. God has already rescued God's people It's not like they they obeyed God's laws and then God led them out into uh, towards the promised land. He rescued them first. He saved them first. He said, I'm going to give you freedom. And now I'm going to give you some guidelines and some boundaries for how you ought to live. See, when you lived over here in slavery, there was no rhythm. It was just a free-for-all. You just kind of did whatever. But now that I've rescued you and brought you out of slavery, I'm going to give you some guidelines so you can understand how how life works so that you can be in healthy relationships with one another and with God. Now, if you've got your Bibles, and I always encourage people to write in your Bibles, you might want to write in your Bible this morning uh, next to Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, God's Rules for Healthy Living. God's rules for healthy relationships, God's rule for life and abundance and goodness. These are not God's rules to punish you. These are not God's rules to ruin your fun. These are God's rules to give you life and healthy relationships with one another and with God. Now, I was on my bike this morning, and this doesn't often happen to me. I write my sermons during the week, but I was on my bike this morning, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And so do you guys have just a little extra time this morning? Because I felt like the Holy Spirit was just kind of convicting me. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me this morning, um, those people at Faith Lutheran Church, they need to hear about slavery. So is that all right? I mean, you guys don't have anywhere else to go today, right? I want to talk just a little bit about slavery. This was not in my uh, notes or my preparation this week. The Lord really just, the Holy Spirit just put this on my heart this morning. And I think this is one of those things that we all wrestle with, this idea of slavery. Most of the time when we think of slavery, we think of, oh, that happened a long time ago to those people. Slavery's a bad thing, right? Slavery's a horrible thing. But I want to invite us to think that slavery might be more a part of your life and my life than we dare think about. Because here's the reality of slavery, folks. Slavery is a complicated, messy Thing. 
Slavery is really complicated. It's really messy. Some of you know that uh, we had a family worshiping with us here at Faith uh, over the past year. A couple months ago, they came to me and said, we're going back to another church. A church that does not follow God's holy word. But we just cannot bring ourselves to stay at faith. We've been at that other church 50-some years, and the pull is too strong. We've got too many uh, relationships. We've got too many memories. We're going back. Even though they know that what's being taught at that other church is not biblical, is not based on God's word. And i got to tell you, it just absolutely broke my heart. But I also know that's what slavery does. We get so entangled in the emotion, in the feeling. Slavery's complicated and it pulls us back, right? Even when we know what is wrong, we stay bound in slavery. Now, I, I don't share that story with you to disparage anyone. Because I think we all struggle with slavery. We all struggle with things that we know are wrong, but we do them anyways. That's what slavery is. You know, as God's people, the Israelites, were going to, through the wilderness. You know what their number one complaint to Moses was? We want to go back. We want to go back to slavery because it was familiar. We knew the rhythms of life. We knew the people. We knew the land. Everything about Egypt, we knew it. There was only one problem with Egypt. We were slaves. But Moses, can we go back? Folks, this is true. You see this over and over and over. Their biggest complaint. This is what slavery does. In ancient times and in our lives. And I can't help but think, how many of us are slaves to our technology, right? I mean, let's get real here. If we want to start pointing fingers at other people, we are all enslaved to something. We know we shouldn't spend so much time on social media. Hello, right? But yet we do it anyways. There's so many things, and, and I'm just trying to be honest here this morning. There, there's none of, none of us, all of us are enslaved. Can we just amen to that? Yeah, we're all enslaved, and I think the most important thing we can do is just recognize our own enslavement. The, the thing that we know is wrong, but, but we're just like, ah, I'm still going to behave the way that, that, that's familiar, that's comfortable, that I know. Because going out into the wilderness, going towards the promised land, that's scary. That's unknown. That's what we don't know about. And that wasn't even in my minutes or my notes this morning. Slavery. The Ten Commandments, God comes and says, I don't want you to be enslaved. I want you to experience freedom. And if you want to experience freedom, you're going to have to follow these guidelines, these rules. And they're not meant to ruin your fun, but they truly are meant to free you from all that is enslaving you. And I think we often forget that about the Ten Commandments. They were given as a gift to God's people, a gift of love, because God wanted the very best thing for God's people. A number of years ago, there was a landscape architectural uh, firm that conducted uh, a series of studies uh, around playground equipment. 
So they built this playground, and they invited a bunch of little kids uh, to play on the playground equipment, and, what they, and they just watched, see what happens. And what they discovered is the kids played on the playground, but they really never got off very far, and they really kind of huddled in the middle, and their body language just kind of showed that we're staying close to this playground, uh, and that nobody ventured very far out. And, and after they had taken notes and watched these kids, um, um, group after group after group of kids uh, play on this playground, um, they decided, okay, now here's what we're going to do, is we're going to build some fencing around this playground. And once they had developed and um, built a fence around the playground, they sent the kids back out, and the, the, the results were absolutely dramatic. All of a sudden, the kids were playing on the playground, but they were running around the playground. They were running all the way out to the boundaries. They would hang on the fence and jump and scream and shout and do all those things that your kids and grandkids do, right? But they used the full area because there were boundaries. There were guidelines that these kids, and it was just so obvious to what was going on in the study. And if you're a parent, you know, I don't have to tell you this story. You don't need landscape architects to tell you this. Kids need boundaries. Kids need parameters. And they need them not because we're trying to ruin their fun, but so that they can experience joy and life and health and happiness and good and positive and healthy relationships with one another. This is why we put boundaries and parameters and rules on our kids, right? Yeah. And this is why God gave us, God gave God's people the Ten Commandments, because he loves us and he wants us to experience freedom and joy, peace and harmony with one another and most certainly with God. Now, some of you might be sitting here this morning thinking, you know, I'm more of a New Testament guy, right? That, that's Old Testament stuff, right? Me too. I love the New Testament. I love what Jesus has to say. In fact, remember that time where a group of people came to Jesus and he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. The law is awesome. Don't abandon the law, Jesus said. This is why I've come to fill it, fulfill it so that you can experience joy and peace and love. Later, the Apostle Paul would say, when you follow the law and love other people, you are following the Old Testament law. See, there's not this division between Old Testament and New Testament that we often think of. They really are united in terms of how all this works. Another time, somebody came to Jesus and said, hey, what's your favorite commandment? What's the best commandment of all 600 commandments? Jesus said, oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Remember that story? And many people go, wait a second. He asked for one commandment and Jesus gave him two, right? We get stuck on these things. And I think what Jesus is saying is, you can't love God unless you love people. And you can't love people, truly, as God wants us to, unless you love God. You cannot separate them. You've got to love people and you've got to love God. And when you love God and love people according to the Ten Commandments and the law that God has given to us, that's when we experience peace and shalom in our lives. And when we deviate and go outside the boundaries and ditch the law and walk away from God's word, that's when we run into trouble, right? So the, the Ten Commandments God has absolutely given to us out of love and invites us to experience with one another. 
you know, of, of the Ten Commandments, the first three, you probably know this, are all about loving God, right? Love the Lord your God. No other uh, gods before me. Don't make idols, right? Use my name with uh, caution and carefulness, right? And then the, uh, the last six are all about how we love other people. Don't steal, don't covet, don't kill, right? All those things. Commandment number four, theologians call the bridge um, uh, uh, commandment. Because when we practice Sabbath, this entire day of rest, it invites us to be in relationship with one another. It invites us to be in relationship with God. It covers both. And I just think that's a beautiful thing about the fourth commandment. See, God didn't give us the, 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 the fourth commandment, this, this day of rest, this day of Sabbath, just to like, you know, mess with us, because we got stuff to do, right? He says, no, I've given it to you as a gift. And the gift is so that you can love one another and you can spend relationship and grow in your love with me. Now I want to close um, just by saying that uh, these first two weeks we're talking about why the Sabbath rest is so important. Now I want to invite you to come back for the next couple weeks because we're going to talk about how you practice Sabbath rest because uh, honestly, this is, I find, much more difficult. You know, we say the devil is in the details, right? And sometimes, and this is where, you know, the Pharisees and so many other people got the how wrong. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to actually practice Sabbath rest. Because just knowing about Sabbath rest, um, that's kind of silly, right? That's just kind of a, an exercise that doesn't do anybody any good. But it's how do we truly practice Sabbath rest as we view it as a gift from God to be in relationship with one another, and to grow in our relationship with our Maker. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the Ten Commandments, for using a guy by the name of Moses uh, to share these with, with your people so long ago. And God, oftentimes we misunderstand uh, what these uh, Ten Commandments are all about and, and why you gave them to us. And God, we're reminded that... Um, you invite us into freedom. And so often we choose, we choose God to be enslaved. So help us, Lord, convict us of what we need to be convicted of so that we might truly experience freedom in you. Because that's why you came, God. You never wanted your people to be enslaved. You still don't want your people to be enslaved. So humble us. And invite us, Lord to walk deeper into Sabbath rest. Lord, in your mercy, 